You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So I'm also also excited today to be kicking off this, this new teaching series just called Summer Break, Breaking Up with Bad Theology. And as Pastor Jeremy was sharing, just some of the vision for this series, uh, I started thinking about some things that I know I heard like growing up that I always thought were true, but in fact are not fully true. For example, and we can think of a hundred things, right? <laughs> but one of those, I always remember hearing that if you dropped a penny off of like the top of the Empire State Building, it would kill someone. Anyone, you heard this before maybe? Yeah, so I, I, in fact, I told people this all the time. Like I just, I thought it was true. Well, physics tells us it's, it's not exactly true. Now, I do want us to know that it's still a bad human move to drop a penny off of the top. So don't, let's keep the change. Let's not do that. It could hurt somebody, but that's not fully true. Another one I always heard, told people many, many times, is that a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's mouth. Anyone else ever heard that one before, okay? Yeah, so it doesn't matter if the dog is licking the sidewalk or eating garbage or other things, right? Like, it's just, it's fine. They have these special mouths and cleaner than a human, so it's okay if they lick your face. And, well, well, that's not fully true either, okay, as far as the cleanliness of a dog's mouth in relation to ours. Now, let me just say this, though. Hey, with as much stress and all the serious things happening in our world today. Like if, if you want, I'm not here to judge you. If you want your dog to lick you in the face, just go for it, okay? There's just there's bigger things to worry about in the world today. So all these things, right? All, all these, these statements that, that we've heard and like maybe we thought they were true, but they're half-truths or they're, they're myths. And, and we could say the same thing about some phrases related to our faith as well. Uh, some different things that we've heard, and maybe we've heard them so much, we just got, well, I guess it's true, and, and we're, we're not even sure if they're, they're biblical, or maybe, but, but the truth is this, and in this series, we're going to explore some of these different phrases that, uh, if we're not careful, it can give us a, a wrong idea about who God is and how he works in our lives. And so what are some of these phrases that we're going to explore in this series? Well, let me just say this just at the top. Okay, if you've ever said any of these phrases before, maybe you said it this morning already, okay? Let's not feel bad. I know I have as well. I've said all of these phrases at one point or another. But just to let you know kind of where you're headed over the next weeks of this series, here are some of the phrases we're going to discuss in this, in this series. The first one we'll talk about today, which is God won't give you more than you can handle. You've heard that before, right? Another one is God helps those who help themselves. We'll explore that in this series. Uh, the third one is everything happens for a reason. It's a common phrase. And then the, the fourth one, hate the sin, love the sinner. So these different phrases that like maybe we thought are true, maybe we thought they're biblical, true about who our God is, but, but we're gonna unpack these a, a little bit uh, starting today. Now here, here's the other thing I know about some of these phrases. When, when we say them or other people say them, uh, oftentimes we mean well when we say them, right? Maybe we see somebody, and they're going through a difficult time. We don't really know what to say, so we just kind of start throwing cliches out there to them. And we mean well. I remember, I just, I know I said about the dog's mouth, like, not being as clean as we think. But I do love dogs, okay? I really do. We've always, I've always had a dog growing up. We have two dogs right now. And I remember some years ago, my wife and I, uh, we, we just got married, and we had a Rottweiler. And uh, she was only about 10 months old, not even a year old yet, and, but for whatever reason, she had this degenerative issue on her spine. 
And like things went ba- like from bad to worse like pretty quickly. She lost control of like their back legs and uh, she was in a lot of pain and it just, it kind of moved fast and our vet, like the vet told us like, hey, there's really nothing that, that we can do. And it was sad, like I, I, was, I was bummed. And in fact, I remember driving home after the day we had to, we had to put her down and I, I was talking to a friend, I was calling her, I told him what happened and this friend said back to me, he goes, well, uh, he said, at least she was only 10 months old, you didn't have that long to get attached to her. And I was like, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> now, he meant well, right? But I think he just didn't know what to say, trying to make me feel better. But, and so oftentimes, with the phrases that we're going to talk about in this series, we, we mean well, but maybe there's something deeper to some of these phrases. So, you ready to break up with some bad theology? Just say yes, even if you're not sure, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. And we're going to start today with this phrase. I know I mentioned earlier, but this phrase, that God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, I want us to see where this comes from in Scripture because it is sort of a half-truth. I want to show you this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to believers in Corinth, and he's actually talking to them about how to, how to stand strong against some of the temptations that we face in life. And here's what he says. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except What is common to mankind? In other words, the temptations that we faced, whether it's lust or greed or other things that distract us from following Jesus, Paul is saying, hey, those are common temptations, common to everybody. And he says this, and God is faithful. And here's our phrase. He says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that part of that verse there that says, he'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, that's where we get the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle from. But instead of, again, we're talking about temptation in this verse, Paul is saying, hey, when you're tempted, okay, you can lean into God for his strength and his wisdom, and if you look to him, he'll help, help show you the way out so you can overcome that temptation. But we've sort of taken it, taken that truth and applied it to every area of life that God won't give you more than you can handle. So I don't know about you, Redemption Church, but and just thinking about these last you know, two and a half years or so, I ha- I'd be willing to bet that we've all faced things that felt far greater than what we could handle on our own. I know I have. Like, things, I, got, I can handle this on my own. For some of us here today, it may be a health issue that we're walking through, somebody close to us is walking through for others. It might be the pain of a, of a broken relationship. It may be financial pressure that today, like right now, that we are under, that we are facing. It could be that you're a student just like overwhelmed with just everything happening. Okay, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the exact thing might be, but we've all faced things that just felt overwhelming, like may, maybe it's the anxiety that's just gripping Whatever it is that keeps us up at night, right? When we say, like, God won't give you more than you can handle, and we think that to be a biblical truth, it's so easy when we face things that are beyond our ability to endure. It's easy to think this, okay, something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with my faith. So let me show you something better, and I hope we see today more biblical than just God won't give you more than you can handle, and it's this, that God will help you handle all that you've been given. So not God won't give you more than you can handle, but God will help you, wants to help you handle all that you have been given. 
So what I want to do is look at a passage of Scripture today that the Apostle Paul wrote actually to these believers in Corinth, and I need to give you some context first because we're going to look at this passage, break it down just a little bit because we'll see the Apostle Paul kind of navigating through this, this process. So here's some context for us, okay? About 13, 14 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the Apostle Paul and others traveled some of the known world at the time, right, sharing the gospel of Jesus, sharing the message of Jesus. And as people responded to it, right, these, these churches started. Now, when I say churches, it doesn't mean that, that Paul, like they all built buildings with stained glass windows and steeples, open it, they're all the people, okay? Not, not that. <laughs> the word church, right, it simply means a, a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. So a gathering of Christ followers gathered together called out for a specific purpose, and so Paul helps to start this church, and because as he's continuing to travel, he cares for these believers, and since he can't just stream himself online, what does he do? He writes letters to them. He, he, writes, he writes letters, and he's, he's sharing with them. We know it as, as many of his letters in the New Testament, and so he, he, this area uh, in Corinth, which is southern Greece, he writes to them, and I, I, want you to, I want you to see what he writes, because what we know about some of these missionary journeys is Paul and others, they faced incredible opposition and persecution, danger, right, shipwreck, and, and hunger. He was betrayed by people, like trial after trial, and he writes to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. I just want us to go through it first, and then we'll break down a little bit. He starts, and he says this to them. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Now, this is not the same Asia that you and I think about today. This is modern-day Turkey. So the trouble we endured, he says, we were crushed and overwhelmed, look at this phrase, beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we'd never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. (laughs) But as a result, what does he say? We stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. He did rescue us from mortal danger. He'll rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him, Paul says, and he'll continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us, Paul says. And then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. So much in that passage, right? But just imagine for a moment as we work through this. Imagine what it would look like on a a very practical level, like starting this afternoon and even into tomorrow and this week. Imagine what it would look like if we could learn uh, to move off of some of our self-confidence into God-confidence. Like imagine, like, not just God won't give you more than you can handle, but practically, what does it look like to trust this God who wants to help us with all that we've been given, to help us handle all that we've been given? So here's what I'd love for us to do, whether you're in the room or you're joining online. Okay, think about that one thing. Think about one thing that comes to mind for you today, like when you think about this idea, like this feeling of being overwhelmed or the pressure, this is, it could be work-related, home-related, relationship-related. Financial, whatever it is for you, like what is that thing that maybe is keeping us up at night? I know some of us would say, Pastor Mark, I can I can name like twenty to you right now, just one, okay? <laughs> that that one thing, and, and and let's look at this passage and this process that Paul 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 goes through. And, and the first thing we see from Paul is this: that that Paul recognized right in this passage, he recognized that he was not in control. That he was not in control. 
So help me out, a little participation. How, how many of us, how many of you, uh, you, you like at least a little bit of control? You have at least a small need for control. Don't lie in church, okay? I see some hands. My, both of mine are up, okay? This is like I, I, I do, <laughs> and not in a, uh, for me, not in like a my way or the highway type control. I don't want that. Okay, that's not good. Not that, but like I, I, I do. In fact, I'll say it like this. Like I don't like surprises. I don't know if you like surprises. I don't like surprises. My wife loves surprises. In fact, like I'll say sometimes if we're going out to eat, hey, where do you want to go? I don't surprise me. And I'm like, all right, well, if I plan it, does, does it still count? <laughs> is, does it still count? Because that's just the way I'm wired. I, I like to know like where we're headed. I'm not just talking about the restaurant, like everything in life. I like to know where this train is headed so I can figure out like the fastest way to get there without any detours. That's like the perfect life, right? Never happens that way, but... I like that, I, like, I, I like to plan, I like to know how things were, are going. I, I like the feeling of being in control. And I say feeling because that's really all it is, okay? It's an illusion that, that we are in control of as much as we'd like to think. Again, if these past two and a half years or so has taught us anything, it's that we are not in control of as much as we'd like to think. And Paul knew this, like he knew that he was not in control of his situation. If we go back to this passage, what did he say in verse eight? He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. Now, we don't know exactly which trouble he's referring to there. It could be the persecution. It could be the physical danger that he faced. But we do know, whatever it was, that it was serious. In fact, he continues. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. See, I wonder if somebody said back to him, like, no, 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 Paul, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. And he's like, no, 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 get, get, out, of, get out of here with that cliche. <laughs> said, beyond our ability to endure. In fact, we, never, we didn't even think we'd live through it. We expected what? We expected to die, he says. Have you been there before? Like, God, I'm at the end of myself. And unless you bring me out of this, like, I'm not, I'm not going to get out of this. One of the things I am learning, I have not arrived yet, like, but just like presently in my faith right now, is that there actually is great power in just being real about our weaknesses. There is a great strength from choosing humility. You know what the word humility means in Scripture? The, the word means to lower oneself. To lower oneself. So, like, if we, if we stand tall in pride, and this is as tall as I can get, sorry. Like, if we stand tall in pride, God can only help us so much. But when we, when we lower ourselves in humility, now God can take some of the things off our shoulders. To, to lower yourself. There, that's why Paul said in other places, when I am weak, when I'm willing to admit it, then I am what? I am, I am strong. Paul realized here that he is not in control. So maybe for some of us today, even at the end of the message or some quiet time, maybe later, sometime this week, we can have an opportunity just to reflect, God, even though, even though things feel out of control, okay, you are still in control. I am not, but you are. And here's the second thing Paul did then in this, this process we see in this, in this passage. Paul believed, number two, that, that God could be trusted Paul just believed, right? He, he had the faith that, that God could be trusted in all things. So let me say it this way. Paul understood that faithfulness is not just something God does. It's who he is. Like, it's, it's in his character. God doesn't have, like, a 72% faithfulness record. <laughs> he, 
He is faithful. It's, it's who he is. It's part of his character. If we go back to this passage in verse 10, that we see Paul saying this. He says, and he did rescue us from mortal danger like it, it happened before, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue. I love that Paul says he's rescued us before, and he'll do it again. I don't know about you, but I get trapped sometimes where it's like, yeah, God has been faithful before, but what if this time is different? What if this situation catches them off guard? Yes, God was faithful to that person, but like, what if my story is different? And listen, the reality is, I know some of us, like in an honest moment, and I get it, like I, I have said this, I have thought this before too, like some of us in an honest moment today would even say, like Mark, I, like, I, I, I want to believe God is faithful. I even believe it at a, like a head knowledge, and I understand you're a pastor, you have to say it, but like, it doesn't seem like he's faithful in my life right now because of this happening or that happening. I've been praying about this, and, I've been, and listen, I understand that. I understand that struggle of faith, and I think Paul understood that as well. But he still got himself to a place where he could say, hey, despite how I'm feeling about myself right now, despite my situation, I, I, I believe that God can be trusted. In fact, Psalm 9, verse 10. It says this, those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, uh, do not abandon those who search for you. Can you guys do me a favor? Can we read that verse out loud again? I think it's on the screen. Come on, let's read this out loud together. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So whatever, like, Whatever we're facing, just thinking about the words of that verse, whatever we're facing today, what, like, what would it look like today for just, to, just to make a faith commitment? God, I'm, I'm, you've been faithful in my past, and you'll be faithful in my future. Even if today, listen, even if today we're in a good season of life, let's not let that dri- get us to drift towards self-dependence but we still place our faith in him. Psalm 28, verse seven says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. And then at the end of the service, when the worship team is back up, it says this, I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. God can be, you can give God thanks, that's all right. What did did Paul know? Paul knew he was not in control. He knew God can be trusted. The third thing that, we'll see from Paul if we go back, as we go back to this passage is this, that Paul's trust in God was strengthened by others. And I'll be the first to admit, this is the one I forget about sometimes. Like for some of us, like we get it, like, all right, I gotta get alone before God, and yes, that's a part of it. But Paul's trust in God was strengthened by other people. So we could say it like this, his, like his, his vertical trust between him and God, it was strengthened in a horizontal way. Because this is how God designed things. That we are strength, we are, you, hear, you say it all the time here at Redemption, right? We're better together. He has created us as relational beings in need of relationships. Part of the way how God strengthens us is through other people. So go back to this passage. Where do we see Paul saying this? Well, what did he say in verse 11? He says, and you are helping us, how? By praying for us. And then many will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Think about that. The encouragement from other people, it's strengthened 
Paul. Like, I don't have to tell you guys this, you know this, that in these past two and a half years, and even, even before that, honestly, just as, as Americans, right, there's, there's just a growing number of, of, growing number of us who have just been isolated and just kind of drifting and just uh, being in isolation and, and make, like not, not around other people. And, not, and I, don't mean, I don't mean from the COVID. So I just mean like, like maybe pushing other, others away. And listen, I get it. Like people can be difficult sometimes. Would you agree with that? Like not any of us, of course, just, you know, those people. <laughs> Relationships aren't easy and it takes energy. Like I understand all, I understand that. But with the growing isolation, it's not like it's leading to greater physical health or spiritual health or emotional health. Like we really do, it's part of the purpose of the church. And so as you talk about things, whether it's being a part of groups or serving on a team and, and being around the serve day coming up and just like chances to just build into each other. And some of us might say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't, I don't really need that in my life right now. But yes, somebody might need that from you. Our trust in God is strengthened by other people. Paul, Paul realized that. Not just in this passage, but all throughout, his, all throughout his letters. He knew he wasn't in control. He believed that God could be trusted. He was, his trust in God was strengthened by other people. And then one final thought I want to give to you on this, in this passage is this, that, that Paul moved. Paul moved from self-confidence to a God-confidence. He moved from a self-confidence to a God-confidence. So a little participation again, let me ask you this. Like how, how many, um, so whether it's around like the apartment or the home or somewhere else, uh, wherever, how, how many of you like a good old like do-it-yourself project from, from a time? I see a few hands. Okay, a couple hands. Uh, more than the first service. I don't know if any correlation there. Maybe you were doing a project before you came today. I'm not, I'm not sure. How many, here's another question though. How many of you are good at them? Like liking, okay, I see some hands. And I, for those of you who are good at DIY projects, I just want you to know uh, with full honesty, I am jealous of you. Because I am not good at these whatsoever. And I've tried, like it's just, and if you've, you've probably been there before, but the, the process is usually the same for me. I see something, no one needs to be done. I, I look at it, I'm like, I can do that. Like, it's simple. And I find my article, right, or I watch my video on YouTube, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, these may stuff, how, how difficult can it be, right? And, and you watch these videos every time, or the article, everything, it always promises to be so cheap, so easy, so awesome. And the process is always the same. I start with high motivation, high confidence in my ability, and then I start reading the steps, and with each step, I get more discouraged. I'm like, there's 40 steps, and you gotta have this tool. Well, I don't, what if you don't have that tool? And like, and the, like the motivation decreases, confidence in myself decreases, and I always end up in the same spot thinking, all right, who can I hire? Who can I call to do this? <laughs> there's, this there's this movement. And for some of you, by the way, like you're good at these projects. Like Pastor Mark, you're exaggerating. They're not that hard. That's because you're good at them. Okay, like it's just, it's easy for you. It's not for me. But the process is always the same, right? Starting with some little bit of self-confidence, but then shifting that confidence to somebody else. What do we see Paul doing in this passage? He's got no confidence, not putting confidence in himself. In fact, if we go back to the passage in verse nine, all this is happening, right? All the trials he faced, all the opposition. But he says this, but as a result, as a result of everything that we've gone through, here's the good thing that happened. He says, we stopped relying on ourselves and we, we learned, we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. 
It's funny to me how it seems like Paul just kind of like throws that in. We relied on God who raises the dead. <laughs> like he's saying that the, the, same, the same God who is risen from the dead, that his power is, is available to us so we can stop relying on ourselves and, and, we, and we learn to rely, we learn to rely on God. You know, as we think about self-confidence, self-dependence, I think, I think most of us, right, like we, we would agree that in, in our country, independence is something that is, that is highly valid, and rightly so. I mean, when we're talking about a people group, a nation, I mean, independence is obviously a good thing, so, something, like it, is, it is a good thing, it is a right thing. But that's also, it's also led to a very, like, individualistic type mindset. And there's some different mindsets that I think kind of spring from that. So one mindset would just be this. We say, this is so prevalent, and, and we all drift toward sometimes, but, like, I can handle it myself. Like, I can do this. I'm a, I don't need anybody's help. I don't, like, I can handle it myself. Another, another mindset that I think is so just prevalent in our world today is... Um, I am my own authority. But truth is relative. Okay, but what's, what's right for me is, okay, like uh, even some Christians sometimes, right, will put their opinions over what Jesus actually taught and was about when he walked the earth. And so instead of, instead of filtering our opinions through our faith in Christ, we filter our faith in Christ through our opinions. I am my own authority. I can handle it on my own. Another mindset so prevalent in our culture is we don't need God. We've got all the solutions within ourselves. All the answers to our problems, we can figure it out if, we, if everybody would just do what I think. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but like human beings, we do not have a great track record throughout history about handling all of the issues in our world. Don't need God. I am my own authority. I can handle it on my own. So here's what I want us to know. That Jesus, okay, he does not call us to live independence, right? He doesn't call us to live independently of, of him. Instead, instead, he doesn't call us to walk in that way. Instead, he calls us to live, to walk in dependence on God. So not to live independently of him, right? But to walk in in to live in dependence on God. See, Jesus did not die for our independence. He died for our freedom, and they're not the same thing. In fact, here's, here's, here's what I know. Okay, freedom, freedom, actually, freedom in Christ actually comes from being dependent on the right things. And we are all dependent on something. It's just a matter of what that is to walk, to live in dependence on God. So Redemption Church, not, God won't give you more than you can handle, but our God will help us handle all that we've been given, amen? Let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the chance to be here. We're thankful for the chance to gather in this room and online as well. It's not something we take for granted. And God, we're just grateful today that you are, a, you are an ever-present help in trouble. 
So God, despite the pressure, despite the surroundings, the circumstances that we're in, we recognize today, God, that we are not in control, that you are, that nothing surprises you. So help us, God, in this moment to get our eyes on you, to get our hearts on you. God, I pray for the person today, those of us who just feel overwhelmed. Those of us who just feel overcome by our circumstances or what we're feeling internally. With the strength of others, God, and with your help today, I pray you'd help us to bring it to your feet. And Jesus, today, we're thankful for your life, your death, and your resurrection. And we hope and pray that you were honored in this today because only you are worthy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.